Good morning, church. Uh, earlier this week, I read uh, this passage with my wife, Caroline, uh, just, you know, as, uh, get her thoughts on it. Uh, this is the passage I'm going to be preaching on this week. Uh, and she said, uh, man, it sounds like it's going to be a heavy message. And, uh, and she was right. <laughs> she was right. Jesus has a strong word today for the Pharisees and the scribes. Uh, and so I, I think also for us. I think, I think the easy thing to do with a passage like this uh, is to read it and think about how it applies to other people, right? To, to politicians, uh, to celebrity pastors who have fallen, uh, to, to other people you don't like, whoever you see as hypocritical. Um, but, but my conviction, based on, on Jesus' commands, his words actually, to don't judge, lest you be judged. Take, you know, take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. My conviction is that the way to read passages like this is, is self-reflectively. Right, to read this, and that looking not first to other people's sin, but first to our own sin, to our own hearts. Because the reality is that the nature of sin, and especially the sins of pride, of self-righteousness, of hypocrisy, right, which is what Jesus is addressing here. Uh, the, the nature of these sins is that they blind us to them. Right? That's what they are. We, the, by nature, we are blind. We don't think that we are these things when we really are. I mean, so we need, we need God to open our eyes. Right? We, have, we, we always are dependent on him, but we need him to open our eyes to these things if we're gonna apply them well. But I am thankful, I'm so thankful to be part of a church uh, that, that loves God's word uh, and a church that, that uh, loves to hear God's word, whatever he says. And I, I love to just walk through, as we walk through passages of scripture, to say, we don't, just don't skip it, you just do the next one, and here it is. Um, and so we're, we're gonna, gonna talk about the woes today. Um, but let's take a moment before we start and, and pray before we get into it. Take a moment just in, in your seat and just ask God to open your eyes to whatever he wants to say to you today. If you would, please also pray for me that I would be faithful to God's word and I would be helpful to you. Father, I'm so grateful to be able to preach uh, your word today. We're so thank you for giving us your word. Um, thank you that, that uh, you tell us what we need to hear, not just what we like to hear. Just open our eyes, open our hearts. You know how weak we are. You know how distracted. Um, you know how confused we get. Help us break through by your spirit. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. It's a pretty simple outline today uh, for the passage. We're gonna talk about the, the Pharisees first, um, following the passage, let's talk about the Pharisees and then talk about the uh, experts, the scribes. Uh, and then we will ask how we can apply this Jesus word to us. Um, so starting off in verse 37, as he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. 
So Pharisees, the, the Pharisees at this time, we, we continue to run into this group. Uh, these, these, this was a, a political and a religious party. Um, they were a, a political and, and religious reform group in Israel. They wanted to, uh, to reform Israel by strict observance to the Mosaic law. They thought, if we can, if God's people, we can just get back to the, the good old days where we followed the law, uh, then we can, God will bless us. God will uh, kick out the Romans and, and usher in the, the kingdom as he promised. And so this is who, uh, this is who the Pharisees uh, were. They, they wanted to reform Israel through strict observance um, to the Mosaic law. And the Pharisees' goal, if you could say, what, what are the Pharisees, what were they trying to do? Uh, here, here's one, something that really mattered to them, and you can see this in, in this passage. Uh, they, they wanted to be clean before God. The Pharisees wanted to be clean before God. And I think that's important to note because it's important to say they, they didn't have bad motives. They didn't start with bad motives. They didn't start off going, you know what? I think we should be hypocrites. Yeah, let's be hypocrites together, right? No, no, no. They, they started going, we, we think everyone should obey God. And look, at, look at how great God's law is. Let's obey it. Let's, let's, let's follow it. Let's set an example to, for all Israel so that we can follow our God. They didn't have bad motives, but as we'll see today, they totally missed what really matters. And I think it's important for us to say we, we can have good motives and totally miss what really matters. I think some people think that if you're, as long as you're sincere, as long as you try your hardest, right, God will forgive you, you'll be fine, or as long as you really mean it. No. No, they tried their hardest. They were more zealous for obeying God's law than I bet anyone in this room. And they totally missed it. They totally missed the point. You can be very zealous in the wrong direction. Verse 39. But the Lord said to him, and I just, you know, so the Pharisee invites Jesus over. Immediately, he asks about this ritual. He, he's, he's offended, right? He's amazed that Jesus didn't perform this ritual wa washing. Uh, and, you know, they, again, they want to be clean. Uh, they, and I should say, this is not Jesus. To, he's not just like forgetting to wash his hands before dinner. Like, okay, be, you know, don't be gross, Jesus. No, uh, he, he's, this is a ritual washing. So this is, um, it's just something that, that the Pharisees and the scribes would have added to the law of God. Like the law of God did say that the priests, before they would go into the temple, would wash their hands and their feet. They would purify themselves. There was a ceremonial cleansing before they went in and ministered in God's house. And the Pharisees said, let's make every house a temple. And so when you come into the house, you wash and you cleanse yourself just like the priests do. And, and what, if, what if everyone did this? We would be so holy, right? And, and so uh, this, was, this was the custom. This is what they would always do. And Jesus doesn't do it. And, and, and immediately the Pharisee, you you know, pings him for it. And you just wonder maybe if this dinner party could have gone a little differently if the first act of the Pharisee hadn't been like judging Jesus right off the bat uh, for a, a law that, that they had made up. Um, because Jesus comes in a little spicy, right? He comes in hot and he just, it just keeps coming, right? It, just, it doesn't end. Uh, the Lord said to him, verse 39, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and evil. Fools, didn't he who made the, make the outside make the inside also? But, but give from what is within to the poor and then everything is clean for you. So the Pharisees, he says, they, they focus on external cleanliness without cleansing their hearts. 
right? And he uses this example of a dish. And you can imagine you walk into a house and there's, this, and there's a shelf and there's this beautiful porcelain bowl and it's just shiny clean and gorgeous, you know, uh, beautiful decoration. And, and then you start smelling, like, what does that smell? And, and you start to look and there's, there's sewage, there's, there's sewage in the bowl. This beautiful bowl, outside it's perfectly clean, but inside it's dirty, it's filthy. This is the image that Jesus is using. They're focusing on the external, on how they present, rather than what's actually happening, what's really in their hearts. We learn later on in, in chapter 17, it says the Pharisees were lovers of money. They loved money. There was some financial benefit to being in the right crowd, to being with the right people, to having the right friends. Uh, and, and so, so they... they, they struggled with greed. And Jesus points out greed, right? You're full of greed and evil. And he says, give to the poor, right? He talks about giving to the poor from what's within. I think he's, he's pressing on a, on a specific uh, point with the Pharisees, a specific hot point of the Pharisees. Like, hey, listen, you guys are greedy and yet you're, you're neglecting compassion for the poor. But, but I think he's doing more than that. I think he's using this as an example to, to, to get to the heart, right? It says, uh, verse 41, but give from what is within to the poor. And translators kind of struggle with how to, how to uh, you know, how do you give from what's within, like in your heart to the poor? Like what, what's he saying? I, I think he's saying, uh, it, it's the heart that matters, right? Of course you can give to the poor with bad motives. <laughs> it's no good. It's no good. Uh, you can do that in a, in a bad way as well. He's saying, the, 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 does your internal, does your heart match your actions? Does your heart match your actions? Do you have integrity, your whole person? And he says, didn't he who make, made the outside make the inside too? The Pharisees, they constantly do this, but they, they forget the reality of God. Right? They forget who God is, that God, in all of their religious duty, I mean, it's all about God's law. It's all about doing, keeping his, his commands, uh, right? Not like, being clean before him, but then they forget they're before him. They forget who he is. He can see. What do they think they're gonna hide? God knows. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows whether you have integrity, whether your inside and your outside matches. And so we bring it to us. Right, how, how do we, how do you present a good image, right, a nice exterior, everything's great, but inside you're full of evil. Inside you won't repent. You won't repent of your real sin. Do, do you clean the outside, right? No one suspects it. Oh yeah, they're great, what a solid, solid folks. Good family, right there, man, so, yeah, they're great but inside, full of evil, full of chaos. And, this, and we see this all the time pastorally. Right? We think, man, everything, everything's great, and then something comes out, and, and it's, it's bad. Right? And how did, this ha- how did this fester over so many years? How did no one know? Why are there no warning signs? Why, was, why did no one reach out for help? Oh, because you gotta keep that outside clean. Can't have anyone suspecting anything. Verse 42, but woe to you, Pharisees. You give a tenth of mint, rue, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. He keeps saying this word, woe, and he'll keep using this through the passage. 
woe. This communicates sadness, communicates anger, communicates frustration. He says, woe to you Pharisees, because you're tithing your, your spice rack, your mint, your rue, every kind of herb. Now, the, the law didn't require to tithe. The law, the law you set, you know, set the example and, and required tithing of what you have, a tenth, tenth of what you have. Um, and the Pharisees said, well, if we what we have, everything we have, well, we gotta tithe everything then. Uh, so, you know, get the rosemary out. Let's divide it up and give a tenth to the temple, right? They're, they're tithing these very, they're very scrupulous about their tithe. And Jesus doesn't say it's wrong. He said you should have done that without neglecting the other, right? He said, that's fine. You wanna tithe your herbs? Great. That wasn't the problem. The problem with, is, was with what they were neglecting to do. If you've read much on like productivity and that whole realm, you may have heard this uh, illustration that's often used of like the big rocks and the little rocks. And usually the, the illustration is there's like a jar and there's big rocks and little rocks. And the big rocks represent the, thing, the most important things, the things you're supposed to do. You need to, you have to do like critical for your life and your work and stuff. And then uh, the little rocks are like all the little other tasks, you know, that we might have to be done, but you kind of waste your time on. Uh, and, and, you know, the illustration is if you pour all the little rocks in first, uh, then you try to put the big rocks in, the big rocks don't fit, right? And you, it's an illustration of like, you can't, you should prioritize you putting the big rocks in first and you, you pour it out and you put the big rocks in first and then you pour the little ones in and they all fill in and it, it works, right? You should prioritize, uh, do the most important things first, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. You're neglecting the main things. Justice, he says. This is how we treat others. How we love others, how we serve others. And love for God. Right, this is just what Jesus has said in the last chapter of the summary of the law. Right, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These, this is the summation of the law of God. These are the main things. This is what God commands of us. And Jesus says, listen, you're given a tenth of your rosemary, but you're not helping the poor. You're given a tenth of your dill, uh, but you don't really love me. And if we bring it to us, where, where are our priorities misplaced? Where, where are you neglecting what God has called you to with, with, with the best sounding motives? Oh, but we're busy and we have their family and work and blah, 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 all, all the best sounding motives, right? All the greatest excuses, but neglecting what, what God has called you to, to love others, to love God. Verse 43, woe to you, Pharisees. You love the front seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a, a more traditional a liturgical church. Sometimes they'll have uh, kind of seats in the, like even on the stage that the pastors and ministers will sit on at various parts of the service and that face the congregation. Uh, and, and this is how it would have been set up in the synagogue. There were seats in the front that, that kind of faced the congregation. These were, these were seats of prestige and prominence and, and leadership. And they loved these seats 
Jesus says. Greetings in the marketplaces is saying uh, the, the praise of people, being, being respected and honored, getting, getting, being seen in public and being greeted in a way that, that, uh, that makes you look good. It says you love these things. Now these things aren't inherently wrong, right? But, but the Pharisees, it was wrong for them. Why? Because they, they love to be admired. They love to be well thought of. It's why they did what they did, right? Not out of love for God and others, not out of a desire to win his approval, but out of a desire to win other people's approval. And, and this is tricky, isn't it? Because it, it gets to motivation. It's like, it's not enough just to do the right thing. <laughs> why are you doing it? Why do you go to life group why do you parent the way you do? Why do you lead the Bible study? Why do you preach a sermon? It can look the same, but it could be for two different motives. It can be because, because you love God and you love others. Or it can be because you want to, be, you want to lift up yourself. You want to be praised. You want to be well thought of. Right, and, and, you know, we don't struggle with, with this, wanting people's approval. Just let me check my Instagram to see if I got any likes on that recent post. I think, I think we're addicted to this, aren't we? We're addicted to people's approval, to, to how we're seen, to what people think of us. It really matters. So where are you, a slave? to the praise and approval of others. Why do you do the things that you do? That's a hard question. Do you, do you, do you love God and love others? That's what drives you? Or do you really just want to be seen as doing the right thing and be praised by others? On a, on a day-to-day basis, who are you lifting up in your life? Yourself or God? I remember the Pharisees' goal to be clean, be clean before God. But, but in their zeal and fervor, they missed what really mattered. They missed the heart of the law. They missed the Son of God standing in front of them. And verse 44 is the result. Woe to you. You are like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't know it. In Jerusalem, when the feast would happen and many, would be, many Jews would be traveling to Jerusalem, uh, they, would, they would whitewash, they would mark the graves, right? Because you couldn't be in contact with the dead. You, it would make you ceremonially unclean. So they would mark them so that people would know, stay away from that area, don't go over there. You're gonna be unclean. Like, keep, keep on this side of the, the, the field. And so this is a, a, the, maybe the biggest insult that Jesus could level against a Pharisee is to say, you're like an un, you're like a unmarked grave, right? You're 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 so contaminated, um, and not just you're so contaminated, but you're unmarked. So people who who follow your teaching, people who come in contact with you, also become contaminated. You're not only can, you're, you're trying to be clean before God, but you're not. You're contaminated, and you're contaminating others. Now, 
Now we move to the experts. That's the Pharisees. We move to the experts in the law. The, the scribes, they're called uh, at the, in the end of this passage. Uh, the, the, some translations say the lawyers or the teachers of the law. Um, this is not a completely distinct group from the Pharisees. Often they're together, the scribes and Pharisees. You know, they're very, very much uh, similar. Uh, but the, the scribes would have had more training. They would have been more, uh, had more education in the law and the specifics of the law. And verse 45, one of the experts of the law answered him, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And I love, I love, uh, I, I just, I just, the scene just baffles me. Uh, this, the, the pride of this uh, expert in the law who said, Jesus, I don't know if you thought through the, all the implications of what you just said, but if that's true, then, you know, we're also implicated and I'm sure you didn't mean to insult us. Jesus is not intimidated, uh, and he, he uh, actually lights right into them. Uh, the, the, the scribes, you could say the experts, what's their goal? Okay, if you're gonna, uh, you're gonna say, what, what are they trying to do? The, expert, the experts in the law, what's their main goal? I think their main goal was to help people to understand and to live by the law. They loved God's law. They wanted to help people understand and to live by it. Okay, um, that they wanted to, to define the law for people so that they knew how to follow it. So they had good motives, wasn't it? That's good. That's good. Verse 46, then he said, woe also to you, experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry and yet you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. So these experts who started with good motives, explain the law, help people live the law. Um, An example of this, like when the law would say, uh, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, right? And it talks about uh, the, the, the commandment about the Sabbath. And they would say, well, okay, well, what does that actually mean though to work? You should do no work on the Sabbath. Well, we should define work. Well, let's define, let's, let's divide uh, work and let's define it in 39 categories and categories uh, like uh, carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting. And all of these had specific uh, categories underneath them, uh, things that you could and couldn't do and stipulations, right? All, it's all this complexity. It was not in the law, but they, they added on to it. They're trying to clarify how, what did it mean? But it became a burden. And Jesus says, you load them with burdens that are hard to carry, yet you don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Some commentators suggest um, that, that since, maybe since they were experts in the law, they, they knew the loopholes and, and so were essentially able to keep the law, uh, you know, but do what they wanted. Well, kind of the normal person had to really struggle to, to follow all these detailed, uh, these detailed prescriptions. They, they, in the end, they twisted the law of God. They took what is good and they twisted it. The law was meant to be a blessing. It was meant to be a blessing to God's people. Not a heavy yoke. Yet they used it to burden people down, to weigh them down instead of to set them free. And I wonder how we might twist the message of God. Where, where are you judgmental to others? Isn't that what we're doing when we judge others? 
We're, we're looking at them. We're holding them to a standard. Right? We're holding them to some standard uh, and we're, we're refusing them the grace that we always need. Right? If, if, if you're always right, everyone else is always wrong. This is the spirit of the experts who twist the message of God. Verse 47, woe to you. You build tombs for the prophets and your fathers killed them. Therefore, you are witnesses that you approve of the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their monuments. Because of this, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Jesus makes a pretty complex argument, actually, if you get into the details of it. But the gist of it is very clear, isn't it? Your fathers, he says, killed the prophets, God's messengers. And Jesus is saying, you're proving right now that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Because you're rejecting me. Not only a prophet of God, but the son of God, God himself. You say you love God's word, yet you reject me, the living word in front of you. You say you honor the dead prophets, that you would have listened to them, you would have loved them back in the day when they were speaking, and yet I'm here speaking to you and you're rejecting me and you want to kill me. You're just like your fathers. So not only do they twist the message of God, but they rejected God's messenger. They rejected God's messenger. And where are you rejecting what God is telling you? Where are you rejecting or neglecting the presence of God? Where, where are you rejecting his messengers, those people in your life who are calling you in his name to follow him, not your own way? Where are you rejecting and pushing them away? No, I don't want, I don't want to hear that right now. The goal of the experts in the law was to help people understand and live by the law. And they missed it. First, they twist the message and they reject the messenger. And, and the result is verse 52. Woe to you, experts in the law. You have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves and you have hindered those who were trying to go in. Rather than helping people understand and live by the law, they didn't understand themselves and they hindered those who were trying to go in. They kept people out. Rather than making the law clear, they, they hid it from people. They muddied it for people. Rather than opening the door to God, to life with him, they shut it closed and they threw away the key. They missed the Messiah. It's heartbreaking to listen, even just as a side note, to Messianic Jews, today, or not Messianic Jews, but to, to Orthodox Jews today who are waiting for Messiah when he comes, when he comes, when he comes. He came, they missed him, how heartbreaking. And, and they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. Verse 53, when 
he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely to cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait for him. It's like a they're hunting, lying in wait for him to trap him in something he said. The conflict continues to build. We've seen it building, continues to build through Luke. And we know where it will end. It ends right where Jesus says it will end in this passage. Some they will kill, right? And they will kill him. Their generation would outdo every other generation who killed the prophets sent to them by God, right? By killing not only a prophet, but the very son of God. And so, may we not miss the Son of God in our midst. May God rescue us from ourselves. May he show himself in power. May he break our hearts. May he do anything he needs to, to shatter our blindness. Don't we want that? Whatever he needs to to make us humble and dependent on him. And I pray that our church doesn't seek the praise of man, doesn't present a good exterior, right? It's a great church, yeah, awesome, everything's good there, but inside full of greed and wickedness and evil. I I pray uh, that that we don't do lots of great stuff, lots of great ministries and Bible studies and life groups and everything, programs, while neglecting justice and love for God. May we never twist God's message to our own advantage, May we never reject what God is telling us. May may we never hide the keys to knowledge. What an indictment. You're not giving people access to God. May we not hide the key. What is the key to knowledge? Jesus himself, right? Paul says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's Jesus. The the Pharisees, they wanted to be clean before God. And I do too. Don't you? Don't you want to be clean, forgiven of all that you've done? Don't you want to stand before God in the end, holy, blameless, undefiled, clean? Well, the only way to be clean is to repent of your sins and to trust in the cleansing blood of Jesus. There was one sacrifice that could make us clean and that was the Lamb of God on Calvary's tree, right? He died for us. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Lord of life. He's the the only true one, the only beautiful one. He's the king. There's no one like him. Who cares about anyone else? Like, look at him. If you're here this morning, you just want to be clean, You want to be forgiven? You can be. It's easy. There's no hiding. We're not hiding anything. It's all about Jesus. You look to him and you can live. It's the only way to be clean. The experts in the law, they they wanted to help people understand and to live by the law. Oh, I want to understand and live by God's word. Don't you? And the only way to do that, the only way for anyone to understand and live by God's word is through Jesus Christ. All right, the gospel that he lived and died and, and rose from the dead, that he's alive and he's, he's the Lord and you could follow him. This is the only way to keep the law. Romans 8, 
It says he, which is God, God condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, right? He gave himself in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You, you can't follow God's law. You can't keep God's law by trying hard. There are no techniques to it. There, there's not, it's not reading the right books. It's not following the right expert. No, there's no way to do it except through Jesus Christ to die and be raised to life and filled with the Holy Spirit and he fulfills the law in us. It's the only way. It is a sobering thought that the people um, like the Pharisees and the scribes who, who had uh, the first five books of the Bible memorized. I don't care how good your Bible memorization is going, 2023. It's not that good. First five books of the Bible memorized who devoted their whole life to God's law. That's all they, that's all they did. Right? They were consumed by this. These people could miss the Son of God standing right in front of them. And, and please consider the danger here for each of us, myself included. You can have everyone fooled. You can have yourself fooled. You can go to church your whole life. You can be in ministry. You can be a pastor. You can lead Bible studies. You can serve in, in the kids' ministry. You can serve the poor and miss the main point. Miss the main thing. You can miss Jesus. And may God rescue us from that. May he help us. Let's pray. If you would take a moment to respond to the Lord. As I said, I know it's a heavy message, but it's good for us if it's from the Lord. So what is he bringing up in your mind? What is he leading you to confess, to talk to him about? Go ahead and do that now. Father, if you leave us to ourselves, we will surely wreck it all. 
Lord, where we are blind, where we are holding back from you, where we are denying your glorious presence, that you're with us, that you're here right now in this moment, that you break through our defenses with your love, that you capture our hearts, that you take us by storm. Don't let one, don't let one person hold out in this room. good and you do good. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.